How did Jeff Bezos realize you could sell anything on the internet? Why did Bill Gates create Control-Alt-Delete? How did Synchronized Swimming prepare Christine Lagarde for international politics? What made Bob Iger bet big on Marvel? And what inspired Diane von Furstenberg to create the wrap dress? On The David Rubenstein Show, peer-to-peer conversations, I uncover the untold stories of the world's most successful leaders. Listen now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to For the Ages, a history podcast presented by the New York Historical Society and hosted by David Rubenstein. Join us as he deftly explores the rich and complex history of the United States with some of the nation's foremost historians and creative thinkers, because history matters. Today, I'm going to be in conversation with Jack Davis, who is a environmental scholar who teaches at the University of Florida. Most recently, he's written a book called The Bald Eagle, The Improbable Journey of America's Bird. Jack, thank you very much for being with us. Oh, it's always nice to chat with you, David. So let's go through your background and what led you to want to write a book about the American bald eagle. So uh, how did you get interested in the environment and and animals generally, uh, such as the bald eagle? Well, I I grew up in Florida, and in Florida, the the environment is pretty showy. It's it's pretty much in your face, and I was always an outdoor kid. I loved being on the water, and uh, but also living in Florida, I saw the loss of a lot of natural places, uh, and uh, was you know bothered by that. Change comes very quickly in this state, and so ultimately, when I you know, decided to become a historian, the environment seemed like a natural subject to me. And uh, I am an environmental historian. That means I'm interested in the the historical relationship between humans and the natural world. Now, as far as the the bald eagle or writing a book on the bald eagle, um, I, I wanted to spare readers of the, you know, the usual doom and gloom that environmental writers tend to leave them with and write an uplifting story instead. And as you know, there's there's plenty of tragedy in, in the bald eagle's history with America, but there's also redemption and there's uh, restoration. And ultimately, the bald eagles is a great American conservation success story. And that success is evident today in the numbers of bald eagles we, we see that we didn't see 10, 15 years ago, at least not in most places. So I thought readers would like to know something about both the species that they, they're so excited to, to see crossing the sky um, and its historical relationship with our country. So you, I should have said in the beginning, you are the uh, winner of the Pulitzer Prize for a previous book. What was that book that won the Pulitzer Prize? And that book was um, published in 2017, um, titled The Gulf of the Making of an American Sea, an environmental history of, of the Gulf of Mexico. So let's talk about the American bald eagle. Is that because there are no uh, bald eagles like this outside of North America? Why is it called the American bald eagle? So there are some 60 bald eagle species around the world. Only two live in North America, the golden eagle, which also lives in other parts of the um, Northern Hemisphere, and and the bald eagle. But the bald eagle is truly an all-American bird. It lives nowhere else in the wild except North America, so from northern Mexico all the way up into Canada. So the bird itself is unusual in the sense that it it has a white kind of cap. Why is it called the bald eagle? Why isn't it called the white eagle? 
most people believe that bald comes from the English word that refers to uh, typically an animal that is dark in color but has white patches. And the bald eagle has, as you stated, its white head or cap, uh, but also its white tail feathers and the rest of its body is dark. I also argue that uh, bald can also refer to this particular eagle's behavior. Bald eagles are scavengers and they are thieves. They'll steal food from other birds. And bald is synonymous with with brazen. So bald uh, also describes not just the appearance of, of the eagles, but also their behavior. Maybe they should have called it the bold eagle, but okay, that's another matter. Yes. <laughs> okay, so how big is a, a, an adult male or female bald eagle? How much does it weigh? How big is it? So we have in, in North America, we, we have essentially two gene pools of bald eagles. We have southern bald eagles and we have northern bald eagles. Some scientists refer to them as subspecies. And the northern bald eagles tend to be larger than the southern. And the females are larger than the male. The females can weigh up to 14, 15 pounds, uh, which is quite heavy for a bird. And with a wingspan as, as broad as eight feet. The southern bald eagle is generally around 10, 11 pounds and six to seven foot wingspans. So how good is their eyesight? Better than yours and mine? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you have to put yours and mine and several other people together uh, along with binoculars. So scientists estimate that their eyesight, their distance uh, sight is approximately four to eight times stronger than ours. But they also see in dimensions, as all birds do, that humans do not see. They're essentially a fourth dimension. And so a bald eagle can spot a white rabbit in the white snow a mile to two miles away. And that, that rabbit is not camouflaged. Wow. So now they have an unusual neck as well. Uh, your neck and my neck can look left and look right, but you can't swivel, you know, 270 degrees or so. What can the bald eagle do with its neck? Well, exactly what you just said. Bald eagles often hunt from the perch. And so being able to swivel their heads or their uh, their eyesight, if you will, their sight of vision uh, so dramatically uh, obviously helps in them uh, spotting prey, along with that uh, tremendous vision of theirs. Now, how do they sleep? Do they sleep kind of standing up? So bald eagles sleep like uh, most other birds, and uh, they sleep in, in a tree or a nest, but uh, between nesting season, they do sleep in trees, and they they grip the uh, a branch with their toes, and they, they have a ligament in their feet that uh, is like a ratchet, and it'll lock in place their toes wrapped around uh, a branch, as with any other bird. So it requires virtually no energy or strength to hold their clamp on, on a branch. The mating habits of American bald eagles are somewhat unusual. Can you describe what the death spiral is and why that's a mating ritual? Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful sight in nature that uh, few are privileged to to witness. I never have. So when two bald eagles are a male and female are interested in potentially pairing up, um, they engage in these really phenomenal aerial acrobatics. Uh, as part of their mating ritual. Uh, they'll do barrel rolls, they'll do tumbles, uh, they will lock talons together, and uh, they will fall. They will free fall as they are spinning or somersaulting in midair. 
and just before they hit the ground or splash in the water, uh, they pull apart and swoop back up. Now, on occasion, uh, some of them haven't been able to release on time. Death is not always the result. It's not ideal to um, hit the ground or, or the water. We don't know exactly why they do that, um, but it's, it's arguably one of the most spectacular mating rituals among avian life, certainly in North America. Now, bald eagles are amazingly monogamous. Can you explain the monogamous relationship and how that works with the bald eagles? Yes, they, they mate for life and they do maintain a fidelity. Now, after their nesting season ends, each will go off, will, will, will migrate um, separately. Um, some will go, you know, short distance, some will go a long distance, but both of the, the adults will, will migrate separately, which I like to say is the secret to their longevity in, in a relationship. You mean they migrate separately, let's say to the south, and then they come back later and they get together again in the same nest? That's exactly right. As they maintain a fidelity to each other, they maintain a fidelity to their nest. And as long as the nesting tree stands, they will come back to the same nest year after year after year. This can go on for, you know, 15, 20 years. And uh, if they lose a nest in a storm, let's say a storm, they'll rebuild immediately, either within the same nesting tree or, or one nearby in the same neighborhood. And I mean, they, they arrive at approximately the same time um, back at that nest. How long does it take to build a nest and how big are these nests? So um, if they're building a new nest, they can complete that nest within a few weeks uh, so that the female can, can lay eggs. That said, uh, at the beginning of each season, they will um, add on to the nest. They're constant rebuilders. They're, they're house renovators. And, um, and so each year, uh, a, a nest gets larger and larger and larger. And I write about one nest in the book that was 35 years old when it finally came down in a storm in the 1920s uh, off of Lake Erie. That nest was eight and a half feet across, 12 feet deep and weighed approximately two tons. Wow. So uh, can you explain what the male does after the male has basically mated with the female? Does he say, goodbye, I'm done, I'm going to go do something else? Or does he stay in the nest as well? It's rare for the male to be a deadbeat parent. Um, they are very loyal to their spouse, their mate, uh, and to the nest and the brood. And so the male works hard bringing food back to the nest for both the female and the brood, but the male and females uh, switch off. Uh, and the, uh, the male will often incubate the eggs or, or take care of the young while the female is taking a break or, or off fishing or, or hunting. When the male is bringing food back, the male is bringing back typically fish or some type of uh, seafood, giving some to the, to the eaglet and also to the mate. Is that it? Yeah, so um, bald eagles are regarded as fishing raptors, uh, such as um, ospreys, and they will eat birds, they will eat land animals, but they, they prefer fish, and they build their nests typically within uh, 100 or a couple hundred yards of, of, of healthy water, both salt water and fresh water. And the male will bring back, once they catch a fish, and the male will just drop off the fish and then leave it to the female to, to rip it apart and, and feed it to the chicks. And, uh, and of course, the same happens when the male is in the nest with the chicks. The female will drop off a fish or a rabbit. So for a baby eagle, eaglet, 
Uh, what is the gestation period? So the gestation period is uh, approximately 36 days. And, and uh, breaking on the egg uh, takes approximately 36 hours. Okay, so when the, the eaglet opens up the egg and breaks out, can the eaglet fly or can the eaglet do anything at that point? The only, the only thing the eaglet can do is lift up its head and squawk for food. But it looks like a furry ball. They grow pretty, uh, pretty fast, though. They, uh, they're what looks like down feathers, but it's really their natal feathers that, that fuzzy. Um, they'll lose those after a, a few weeks as, as they grow. And they usually fledge uh, around uh, 12 weeks. So how many eaglets might there be in a nest at one time? Is it just one at a time? It's typically two, sometimes three, sometimes one. And there's competition between siblings if there are, are two eaglets or, or more. Uh, the larger one um, will engage in what uh, nest cam watchers have referred to as baby bonking. They'll beat up on the little one. They'll steal food from it. In some cases, uh, unfortunately, they'll kill the younger ones. But sometimes they get along just fine, and both both siblings will survive. So let's suppose you're an eaglet, you're in the nest, and your mother or your father are hanging around watching you. You have to worry about other birds coming in and kind of uh, scooping you up? Typically, only in their early weeks when they're still quite small. By, by five weeks of age, they reach the size of a, a football or a rugby ball. But before then, they might be preyed upon by owls or hawks. But if mom or dad are in the nest, no owl or hawk will approach. And they'll only do that if mom and dad are, are, are absent. I like to say that that white head that you can only see above the nest is, is a warning to any predators, you know, adult bald eagle and residents stay away. So how long does it take for the eaglet to actually learn how to fly? And who teaches the eaglet to fly? Nobody teaches the eaglet to fly. They learn on themselves. When they reach five weeks of age or so, Mom and dad are pretty much absent from the nest. They do a wonderful job of feeding them and bringing food to the nest, uh, but they like to give the eaglets room to exercise. They do a lot of wing flapping. They do a lot of bouncing to engage their strength and, and to develop their, their coordination. And eventually they will take that maiden voyage and uh, jump out of their nests. And sometimes they just end up sailing straight to the ground. Uh, sometimes they do quite well. There's a learning curve that they have to go through. But when they learn how to fly and they're flying around, do they actually then go say goodbye to mom and dad and then they say, I'll, I'll you know, maybe never see you again? Or they come back to that uh, nest and do the mother and father really stay with a teenage equivalent of a eaglet? They stay at the nest or around the nest until about 20 weeks. Uh, mom and dad are still bringing food even after they fledge. And they know that they are not expert fishers at the, or hunters at this point. They have to learn that too, but they know where the food is. And so they will stick around uh, and either they'll branch, meaning they'll sleep in trees at night or they'll stay in the nest at night. And then usually not until about 20 weeks do they, they leave their natal territory and uh, engage in their own migration. So um, the male and female eagles, how far can they fly? When they are flying on their migration, can they fly from Minnesota to Florida or how far do they fly? They can. They absolutely can fly from Minnesota to Florida, not in one leap. Um, 
generally, you know, 100 and 150 miles a day, depending on the winds uh, and the weather conditions and uh, the amount of daylight. They are not night flyers. A lot of birds migrate at night, but not bald eagles. Um, uh, Florida bald eagles uh, have quite commonly migrated as uh, all the way up to Canada, Mississippi bald eagles all the way up to Canada. And that's generally the younger ones who do that. Uh, they, they tend to be the more aggressive migrators. The adults uh, learn where the food is and, um, and if it's nearby, they will, will stick around um, their breeding territory for the year in some cases, or they'll just fly you know, a few hundred miles as long as there's food there. How high can they fly and how fast do they fly? So they, they can reach uh, 10,000 feet, as far as we know. Now, compared with cranes, cranes fly much higher. Uh, some cranes fly as high as 30,000 feet. and uh, But still 10,000 feet is, is uh, uh, way up there. And um, they cruise around, you know, if they're migrating, they cruise around 35 miles an hour. But uh, you and I met a wildlife guide in, in Florida who, in his boat, clocked bald eagles, as he said, going, you know, 60, 65 miles an hour. Uh, obviously, they couldn't sustain that speed, but that's pretty fast. So when the bald eagles are migrating, they go, let's say, up 150 miles a day or whatever they might do. Where do they sleep at night? They look for a nice tree. They don't make a nest. They just look for an inviting place and they, they go by themselves. And the way they sleep by themselves, their mate is not with them. Is that right? It, that's, that's correct. Their mate is typically not with them. They do not migrate in flocks, but uh, they sometimes migrate in streams, meaning that they'll follow the same course and they'll be separated by a, you know, a mile or several miles, one from another. And at night, they, they look for a branch or a rock. For instance, when bald eagles uh, migrate from the Alaskan mainland down to the Aleutian Islands, uh, they typically find a, a rock outcropping where they can spend the night. And there may be other bald eagles there, and they're perfectly fine with that. A group of bald eagles, by the way, is called a convocation. So are there any natural predators for bald eagles? Humans are really their own true predators, and uh, otherwise everybody else um, leaves them alone. That's not to say that if, let's say, a bald eagle is fishing, uh, and they've been known to do this, uh, uh, fishing like a heron in, in a alligator-infested pond, that an alligator won't grab it. Um, but, but typically there, there are no other animals that have, you know, bald eagles on their menu. So what's the relationship between, let's say, humans and bald eagles? You can't domesticate them, I assume, but I know there are some places where there are bald eagles that can't fly any longer, and they kind of have some relationship with humans. Uh, but generally, the human-bald uh, eagle relationship is what? You're, you're right. The bald eagles do not domesticate very well. Um, they do not make a great uh, uh, falconer birds like golden eagles do. They're just not given to that kind of behavior. They don't mind nesting around people. Uh, they don't mind the noise of civilization. And as long as we don't disturb their nests and as long as there's food, you know, they'll build nests in, in a neighborhood on a school campus. Um, they've even been known, like ospreys commonly do, to build nests on 
uh, outfield ballpark lights, although they've typically been removed when they do. What's interesting, I found interesting in writing the book, David, is that scientists for a long time, really until the late 20th century, believed that bald eagles would not live near people. Um, but they've shown they're, they're much like coyotes and raccoons. Um, they don't mind living around civilization. So um, there have been apocryphal stories over the centuries, I guess, about bald eagles picking up little babies and carrying them away, human babies. So is there any evidence that that bald eagle can pick up a human baby and carry it away? There's no evidence. And uh, that myth uh, continued well into the 20th century, actually the post-war years of the 20th century. Even today, uh, you can see doctored videos on YouTube of, of eagles flying away with a baby it picked up in a park. A large bald eagle with momentum behind it uh, can perhaps carry away five pounds. It's never been known to actually carry away a baby. So if you are uh, out birding and you're watching bald eagles and you see a lot of them in certain parts of the country, there are a lot from time to time, should you have any worry that they're going to attack you as a human just watching them? No, uh, bald eagles uh, uh, attacking humans are, are extremely rare. How many bald eagles, American bald eagles, are there now in North America, would you say? The uh, estimated number is 500,000 or more, which is quite phenomenal. And um, that was the estimated size of the population at the time the first Europeans uh, arrived in, in North America. So if I wanted to see a bald eagle and see them in their natural habitat, where could I best go to do that? So there are a number of places. It's easy enough to Google um, and you'll get a whole list of them. But one of my favorites is Conowingo Dam, which is in northern Maryland, just below the Mason-Dixon line between breeding seasons. So in, in uh, the late you know, October, November, you'll see a lot of them there fishing because the dam um, provides uh, great fishing opportunities. Real Foot Lake in, in Tennessee uh, is another uh, excellent place to see bald eagles. Right here, as you know, right here in my backyard in Gainesville, Florida, um, there's excellent eagle watching and also in, in parts of, of southern Florida. Uh, many places in, in Minnesota as well. Minnesota has the largest uh, nesting population of bald eagles in the lower 48 states, some 10,000 nesting pairs. Florida has the second largest, some 2,000 uh, nesting pairs. Well, in Minnesota, I think they're building a, a museum for the American bald eagle. What about Alaska? I did go to visit some uh, bald eagles in Alaska, in Haines, Alaska. So that's what they told me. I was going to see a lot of bald eagles uh, swooping in, and, and there was a river that didn't freeze over in the wintertime. Uh, is that a very common place for bald eagles to go to Haines, Alaska? Oh, yes. The, your best bald eagle washing uh, is in Alaska, and Haines is a fantastic place. Um, Dutch Harbor out on the Aleutian Islands, which is a little bit more uh, tricky to get to than, than Haines, is also an excellent eagle washing place. Uh, and I, I should say the reason why is because Dutch Harbor, Alaska is is the most productive commercial fishing port in America. And uh, bald eagles there, like brown pelicans in other parts of the country, are there looking for handouts. And so Alaska is the ideal place if you want to travel that far. And it's obviously a, a fantastic place to visit. Now, you've now spent a couple of years of your life on American bald eagles. 
Um, so do you admire them more than you did before? Uh, do you admire them less? What's the most amazing thing to you about the American bald eagle? I admire them more. I have tremendous admiration for the comeback that they staged you know, in 1963, which was the nadir of the bald eagle population in the lower 48. The nesting population in the lower 48 was fewer than 500. And as I said, today we now have some 500,000 bald eagles in North America, over 300,000 in the lower 48 states. Phenomenal comeback. I attributed that to us and the restoration programs that we launched in the beginning in the 1970s, but I also attributed that to the perseverance of, of bald eagles. Also, I, I admire them because I have a great deal of respect for their domestic life. I like to say they have the ideal family values um, because they mate for life and they care for the young uh, with such devotion that when the young do leave their natal territory at 20 weeks, they often weigh more than mom and dad because they've been fed so well. Wow. Okay. So um, you admire the bald eagle and you spend a fair amount of time now observing them. But let's suppose you go to observe a bald eagle and you see one of their feathers has dropped down onto the ground. Are you allowed to pick up the feather and keep it as a, like a souvenir of having seen one? No, by, by law, you are required to turn that feather into authorities. Uh, eventually, it is supposed to get to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, uh, and which will then send the, the feather or the body. Say you find a roadkill, uh, sadly, a roadkill bald eagle, and that has to be turned into authorities as, as well. And the body and the feather uh, will be sent to the National Eagle Repository, uh, just outside of Denver. And there the, the body is processed and the parts and the feathers are distributed to um, uh, Native peoples for uh, religious and ceremonial rituals. And I, I did observe in uh, Alaska when I was there, um, a, I wouldn't say a museum, but a place where injured bald eagles were and they, they can't fly very well anymore. So they keep them indoors and try to treat them reasonably well. Is there a big problem with bald eagles that get injured? And um, is that a problem that uh, is growing or are there not really that many of those problems? Yeah, that's a problem that's growing. And the, you know, as its population expands and as ours does uh, as well, there have been and there are bound to be more, uh, you know, uh, conflicts or clashes between humanity uh, and, and bald eagles, car strikes, airstrikes. Uh, electrical wire, uh, electrocution, also uh, lead poisoning from hunting. And um, so these rehab centers are all over the country. Um, virtually every state has at least one. Many states have multiple and they do a good service. They will rehabilitate a bird if, it, if it's um, in uh, good enough health to be released, it'll be released. If not, it's regarded as an unreleasable bird and it serves uh, an educational uh, role uh, at those rehab centers. And the final question, you, you've, you've spent uh, years writing your book on the American bald eagle. What is your next book going to be about? Uh, my next book uh, is still in the conceptual stage. And, uh, and I think what I'll do is I, I will link or look at the backstory of environmental challenges that we face in the 21st century, you know, such as climate change uh, and sea level rise, uh, but also look at the 
backstory, the history of the solutions that we're um, using to uh, our, uh, to address those problems, such as the history of solar power and wind generation, which go way back. Jack, we've had an interesting conversation about the bald eagle, and I want to have a subsequent conversation with you about the history of the bald eagle in this country, how it was seen by some as maybe a potential national bird. Let me thank you for giving an overview right now of a bird that you've come to admire even more than you did before you wrote your book. Is that right? Uh, that's, that's correct. That's right. And, um, and I'll look forward uh, to us uh, coming back to talk some more. Thank you. On behalf of the New York Historical Society, thank you for joining us for another episode of For the Ages, a history podcast hosted by David Rubenstein. We hope you enjoyed it and come back for more. Thanks for your support. You can share your thoughts at public.programs at nyhistory.org.